0: <laughs> Hi everyone! Welcome to this.
1: So show. what now? <laughs> <laughs>
0: you dork! <laughs> I'm keeping that in. <laughs> Welcome to so what now a podcast. So
1: what now? <laughs>
0: <laughs> a podcast for startups by, by a very young startup, uh, where we talk about the the ills, the joys, the trials and the tribulations of starting your own brand. My name's SJ.
1: My name's Shelly.
0: And together we started an agency called Mirma about four months ago. Um, Shelly, how's it going with Mirma? Awesome. At least we're not on the streets yet. Nearly. Neither of us had, have had to sell ourselves <laughs>
1: and, uh,
0: in, a, in that way. So, Shelly, who do we have in the studio this week?
1: In the studio this week, we have Joe Darling. She is a sound engineer. Mm-hmm and an amazing and beautiful human being inside and out. Inside
0: and out. Joe runs a studio called Pink Noise and the name is very suited to if the you know person. Joe or if you have if you've seen Joe. Uh, cool, let's have a listen to what she has to say. Awesome.
2: Hi (laughs) guys!
3: Hi guys! So excited to be here.
0: Very excited to have you. It's very—we're saying it's very awkward, very daunting because we are quite amateurish at this, and Joe is an expert at sound design and sound engineering.
3: Well, hardly an expert, guys, but you know, you know, I've been doing it for a while. (laughs) We've been doing a a few things along the way.
0: (laughs) So, Joe, tell us who you are and what you do.
3: Cool. So I'm Joe. Obviously, um, I'm really pink, which you guys can obviously see, but and no one else can see. Yeah, but um,
1: uh, when you when you go onto our site, take a look because you will see. Go onto Insta, and you'll yes. you will see. the pinkest thing on our feed. Yeah, I'm
3: hashtag hoping pink's going to take over the world. Just saying.
0: <laughs> What's your Instagram handle again?
3: Um, it is at Pinky the Skeleton. You know. Okay. So inspired by, obviously, what my insides look like, not the outsides, but, uh-huh. you know, the insides are matching the outsides these days, so <laughs> cool. So, yeah, I'm jo. Um I'm affectionately known as Pink Earthling. That's yeah. kind of my thing. Uh, I run a sound studio in Johannesburg, well, in Bryanston. Um, it's a post-production advertising sound studio. And I've had my own business now for about 18 months. And still in infancy stage, trying to grow it, trying to make it beautiful and pink. <laughs> um, but uh, as every new business, it takes some time, it takes some passion. It's, um, I love what I do every morning I wake up. Sound is like the art of the ears. That's the only way I can think to describe it. And I did a job recently that was so just, it was like a painting and i I remember that this job is something you fall in love with every day, and you know, I I wish people knew about this job. I wish I knew about this job when I was young. Yeah. You know, like, it's something that no one ever tells you about. No one says, oh, you should be a sound engineer.
0: Yeah. You know, just take I don't know, like, it front, know kind of. what that is. No, the sound is just most there.
3: So, essentially, they're called sound engineers in this country. They're called sound technicians worldwide. But it's the people who work on the movies. You know, all those credits yeah. that go up, the millions of names. It's those people. Mm. And... I always think they're the unsung heroes of audio because picture is very important, visual element is very important, but without sound, visual is nothing. It's no longer the silent Yeah, you know, I love sound because it's the imagination but heard. Mm -hmm. And there's so few people who can do that. And I admire visual people. I mean, there's some amazing visual people out there, but sound is just on another level. And I I don't know if you guys have ever watched a movie where you get goosebumps. Mm. Yes. That sound, guys, this is, this is people who love this job. Mm. And every day they get up and they just go, I'm going to make this beautiful. Mm. I'm going to make this into something amazing. And you can turn something really dull into something incredible with just a couple of sound effects, with some music. You know, music is emotion. It's emotion that you create. For a visual element that you want people to feel something. Mm. That's the point of sound engineering. And when I first got into this job, I was like, this is crazy. I don't know. you know, I had I had like a really strange beginning, which I'll tell you guys about. But I had a strange beginning in the job, and I always remember thinking, I don't know how people get out of bed and do this job. It's
1: bizarre. Yeah. It's like a weird thing to It's weird. It feels
3: a little bit fake. It feels a little (laughs) bit like
1: who does it
0: manufactured. (laughs) Manufactured.
3: But now that I do it like every day, I can totally see the appeal. Mm. It's it's a form of art. It's a form of it's been able to bring you a part of yourself to a project that only you know exists. Mm. It's your stamp of approval. It's your little audio stamp. And and if you you know I'm in the business, so I listen to jobs and I can hear the audio guys. Mm. I know what they sound like, and I think it's like an artist. You know, they look at someone's picture and they go, yeah. Exactly. I started okay, hearing the trademarks.
0: You know, we know we're
3: near Picasso, but you know. Um, but it's a beautiful industry. It's a beautiful craft. I wish more people were doing it. I, you know, I wish, I hope that the industry will grow from strength to strength. But we're little, we're passionate. There's like 10 amazing people running incredible businesses in South Africa in mm-hmm. sound. They are the most passionate human beings I've ever met in my life. And they will give everything to this business. Mm. They will give every minute of the day they have to sound engineering. And I've just recently partnered with somebody who's, I would say he's the most talented guy in the business. And he eats, breathes, and loves sound Sound engineering. mm. It's his life. So I think, you know, I'm very fortunate to be in this position. I've had an opportunity to build a wonderful brand in a very, very tough market. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to think that I stand out. And I think that's one of the things of sound is you need, to, you need to have a sonic. You need to have something that people know who you are. And I don't even think mine's audio. I think mine's visual, <laughs> which is the irony. <laughs> <RE.
2: laughs> but
3: anyway. I um, it works if it works run with it. So, yeah. so yeah. So my business is in its infancy. It's a beautiful brand. It's a lovely little thing and I just I just love it. I wake up every morning and I get to do what I love and and everybody should do that. Everybody should get the opportunity to do that at least once in mm. their life at least.
0: So how did you get into it? How long have you been yeah. in the industry? What
3: what, what was the strange what was the strange way yeah. in? So I have been a sound engineer now for about 10 years. Okay. Uh, I'm going into about my 11th year now. But uh, so I was that awkward young 20. I'd been overseas and I'd failed going overseas. You no, know, I did the South African gap year that everybody mm. did. And I went to London and that was a dismal failure. And I came back <laughs> with seriously bruised ego. <laughs> This the was winter. not what I expected.
2: <laughs> <No>.
3: <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I was young. I was so, you know, I went overseas when I was 19 years old mm. and I was, you know, I had no idea what, what was out there. You know, mm. I went to London and London kind of just overwhelmed me with, you know, everything and I didn't do very well in London. So I came back and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And my parents are, you know, that part of a generation where you had to pick a career yeah. and choose You have to have a nine to five, yeah. Choose something. Make sure it earns you money, but mm. choose something.
0: So, you know, something that you can retire something with. Something
3: you can retire with. <laughs> Work 30 years, you know. Get a long service award. And, and I just, <laughs> get the
2: watch. Get the watch. Oh. Get the gold watch.
3: And I always knew right from a youngster that was never me. So I struggled a little bit. I did a lot of odd jobs. I worked in restaurants. I did, I did eventing for a while. I sold my soul to the promotions devil. Mm-hmm. was on the side of the road for a while. Right. The robots handing out stuff. That was awful. Sorry for anyone in promotions. Um, yeah. We've all been there. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I ended up seeing a life coach actually and um, this woman changed my life and subsequently she's no longer with us on this planet but she was an incredible influence in my life at the time and I went for a few sessions with her and I don't know if anyone's going to life coaching but they sort of break down your, your interests and things like that and when I was younger I was a trained musician I went to, I learned piano and guitar and lots of musical instruments but I never kind of pursued them, I wasn't a performer. Mm. And this kept coming up in every single life coaching session I went to. And strangely enough, this woman's brother was a sound engineer. And he he worked at the video lab. Now back in the mm. day, the video mm. lab was like the mecca. <laughs> the Do you of even know what video lab was? No, no idea. Oh, there we go. <laughs> it was <laughs> this horrible, dingy building on Conrad Drive. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was beige and blue. Like the, it was pretty much an upgrade from the SABC, but it was a very similar <laughs> the, the, kind yeah. of, you know. Yeah. And her brother had a sound studio at at. The video lab, and she said, "Okay, well, maybe you should go and sit with this guy and see, see. if you like it." And I thought, actually okay, here I, if you like it." Yeah, oh. this was weird, you know. I'd this never. This is different. This is different, and you know, I'm kind of an anxious person, and I thought, "Okay, well, I'll just deal with it." And I rocked up at the video lab with my little bag, standing in reception, and this very strange gamer-looking guy came
2: to sit. <laughs> 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 like oh
3: <dear. laughs> Kind of looked like someone out of like Harry Potter. Or he was he didn't bast in a while. He was bit, he was a bit strange. And anyone who worked at the video lab would know they were dark and dingy little studios back then. And you walked down these long passages and and I remember walking down this passage thinking, "What the hell am I doing here?" But anyway, <laughs> I followed this guy and uh, he sat me on a couch. It was a very small studio, and he had a desk and a he was running a little system, and he put me on the couch. and He he literally gave me a textbook. It was a I think it was a Nuendo textbook, which is like the audio program to what I use now, but similar. And he said, Here you go, read up on sound engineering." <laughs> I sort of, okay, this, this is really weird. not
1: selling me on <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm really not sold right now. I'm afraid, but yeah. I'm not sold. Then he kind of proceeded to play World of Warcraft for the next nice. eight
0: hours. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so it was a. It was a weird introduction to sound Another,
0: another dismal failure. Another
3: dismal failure. <laughs> you know, just another one to add to the list. Um, so I think I sat with him for about a week, and he did do one job in that whole week. Oh. And uh, it was a little animation stint for SABC. And I remember kind of watching what he was doing. And I wasn't, I don't know if I was 100% cognizant of what he was doing at the time, but I remember kind of looking at it that going thing that's quite cool, I kind of like that. That's, I, I could, remember I it, do that. Yeah, it was an animated thing, it was quite cool, it was short, it was like 30 seconds and he, and he sort of had to put these little sound effects on these little characters and sort of, so I thought, no, that's quite cool, I quite like that. And I remember talking to him at the time and said, okay, where do I do this, like, explain to me what happens now. And he said, you need to go to the Academy of Sound Engineering at SABC. At the time, that was like the only people who were doing anything. There's a few other establishments now that are doing it. But back then, SABC was the only person you could go to. So I went home and I had the awkward conversation with my parents that I was going to pursue this. And I think I remember my dad sitting me down at that stage and going, I don't think you're a sound engineer. <laughs> this is a
1: little bit flighty yeah. for me. You know, you know my, my, dad,
3: my dad sort of imagined a sound engineer like those. You know, my dad grew up in the UK, so he imagined it as one of these people sitting behind a big desk at Abbey Road Studios. Yes. You know, and he didn't see that vision for me. But anyway, so I'm a very um, determined human. <laughs> Let's say that. I'm a determined person, and I was like, I wanted to give this a go. So I, off I go, and I enrolled myself in the Academy of Sound Engineering, and I had a part-time job at the time, so I was working on like weekends and at nights. And off I went, and I did night I did night school at the SABC. I did from six till nine, and I had the best lecturers you've ever, guys. These people changed my lives. Mm. They they were the most humble human beings ever in fact they still lecture at the sabc so if anybody wants to go to the sabc
1: because i mean the sabc was the place it was the
3: place academy of sound engineering it is a beige institution but they have have beautiful people working there and i actually found out the other day that one of the lecturers i had still works there and he's incredible
2: that's great
3: um it's I did a part-time course and I was just surrounded by incredible people and ironically the people who were in my part-time class, four of them are in the industry right now.
0: You see.
3: And yeah. of a class yeah. about Sorry. thirty, I was the only girl and then there were three guys who graduated from awesome. that same class. And we, surprisingly, were, like, the only year of Academy of Sound Engineering that ever actually – okay, sorry, Academy of Sound Engineering. But <laughs> like, like, maybe you have successes. But, um, um, yeah, it was an incredible experience. And, it you know, when I'd come back from England, I was so bruised. I needed this, like, community of people to fit into and they were incredible that was like a bunch of guys who just kind of we all seemed to be on the same page there mm. was people who had real life jobs and they were kind of studying as a hobby and then there was youngsters like myself who were dabbling in it and yeah. looking for an out you know and I knew nothing about music software I knew nothing about creating music and I only did a part-time course so you did like the software, and then you did the music, but you never did anything in depth. This mm. was a very basic course. It was course. glazed over. It on. was glazed over, mm. yeah. And so it was six weeks or something. It, was like, it wasn't like was long. It was like six or eight weeks, and I was determined I was going to pass this thing, and I, some by some miracle, I actually passed mm. this course. And um, then they were basically like, here's your certificate? Go find a job. Off you go. <laughs> Bye. You know, thanks for coming to the Academy of Sound Engineering. And I'll never tell be- people
0: if you're on a podcast about the Academy of Sound.
3: <laughs> so there was a few things that we could go into when you left Academy of Sound Engineering. You could go into live sound engineering. You could go into studio. You could go into music, or you could go into TV broadcast, SABC, Mnet, DSTV, whatever. I decided I was going to try my hand at live sound engineering. So I went to GearHouse. Now, if mm-hmm. anyone knows GearHouse, mm-hmm. they are like big concert suppliers mm-hmm. yeah. and they set up all of the concerts in South Africa. I was the only girl who had ever interned. I was about to say, it must have been. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, I don't know what I was thinking, but I was young. Mm-hmm. And off I went to GearHouse and they were in Kensington at the time. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was like, Be- I think it was Bears Valley. Mm-hmm. So dodgy, but anyway, <laughs> off I go. And um, I worked a concert at Caesar's Palace. Well, what's it called? Uh, Emperor's Palace. Emperor Emperor's Palace. Palace. I was way in over my head. It was a Greek concert. I think I worked <laughs> some Greek, like famous guy had come out, and mm. I never forget it. I, they so they bust their employees there to the venue, mm. and then you had to offload everything from the truck as it arrived, and then you had to set up the event. And um, that was your job. So I was like, okay, great. So this guy kind of briefs you, and he says, "Here's your log sheet, and this is what you got to do for the day." I had to carry cables that were so heavy; <laughs> <laughs> I dragged them like the whole way. It was terrible. It was the worst day of my life. I carried speakers. It was terrible. It was like it felt like about a twenty-five hour day. Oh, I think it was enough. only about eight hours in the end of it. But I'll never forget. There was such a defining moment. So. There was about 10 of us who worked this event. And you basically set up everything. So you set up the whole stage. You set up the front of house. So, you do all the cabling. You do all the speakers. You do everything. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Then the international people walk in. And they come with a sound engineer. And the guy stands behind the desk and says, great. Thanks, everybody. Off you <laughs> there go. There Thank you very much. Thanks very much. <laughs> Cheers. Off you go. And I remember thinking... Uh-uh. Yeah, that's, you that's, that's a, not, not going to work for me. That's a lot of work for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy was so cool about it. Like, this is what they do all the time. And I just thought, I have been slaving here <laughs> for like eight hours. Where's my reward? I didn't even see the concert, guys.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, <got him>, yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, it oh. was... I made a decision at that point that live sound engineering, not for me. No. And there are people who love that. Like, don't mm. get me wrong. So I had to regroup after GearHouse. <laughs> <laughs> that, was an energy, that was an energy thing. Uh-huh. So I had done this in basic internship with uh, uh, this guy Warren at the video lab. And now I had to move on to something next. And I didn't know anyone. I mean, this was long before the days when you had internet and it's, Google and And
1: whatever else. Yeah,
3: you know, like well, I mean, I think the infin- i mean, the internet was around, but I mean, I was still mm. completely there oblivious. There was no social media. Yeah, there was no platforms. social media. No, that media
1: that but, you know? but
0: even now, you mentioned there are only like ten or so people who there was only do it.
3: like ten people <laughs> in the industry who did it, and at the time, believe it or not, the the company I was just at. He used to have the studio opposite this apprenticeship studio I was in. And I ended up working for him many years later. But mm. anyway, so a lot of people in the industry now started at Video Lab. That was the training ground. Everybody mm. started at the Video Lab. And then they all, it was a sort of an explosion that happened in Bryanston. The enterprise
0: IG of the, the sound world. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so exactly, now exactly. Bryanston
3: is like the the Bryanston triangle of audio, you know, like
0: every audio person <laughs> is fancy. in Yeah, it's
2: so
3: fancy. It's the Bryanston corridor of audio. Um, yeah, so from the video lab, I'm not quite, I mean, it was a long time ago, but I mean, basically back then, everyone did word of mouth.
2: And, mm. Yeah.
3: You know, you found out through somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody. And a friend of mine had told me about this facility in Bryanston and it was called Blade. Mm. and everyone was going on about Blade, and I'd never heard about Blade, and Blade subsequently was actually an audio, I mean, a video post facility, so they basically did the whole commercial, the video, the audio, the post effects, everything. They mm-hmm. were like a full-blown service house. And um, a friend of mine had told me about an engineer who worked there, and I thought, okay, cool, you know, let's talk to him and <laughs> see see where that takes us. Yeah. Maybe knock on that door, you know, and... Um, Luckily, persistence is key in this in this case. But um, I literally did knock on that door, and I never left. <laughs> and you know, it's sort of, uh, yeah. I ended up interning at this company. It was an audio company. They were in that in the Blade Building at the time. They were also a young company, very eager. You know, audio back when I started was a big business. Hey. There was big commercials ad and agencies huge commercials Yeah, ad yeah, ag- ad agencies used to support the industry and lots was, of money um, in that industry back then Lots of money. Oh. You know, you spend 3 4 days on 30 second commercials, 60 second commercials. It was an art. It was mm. something it was something beautiful and uh, it's changed a little bit now, but when I first got in audio was a very serious business and you know, nothing was digital. Everything was analog. Still yeah. there were basically making the move over to digital. So we were sort of in between the digital analog world, which was beautiful because there's amazing analog things that are now coming back into the digital world that we never, you know, that's, it's been lovely to sort of watch the process. So I got in and um, I basically started, I sat with an engineer for a good couple of weeks. It was probably eight weeks I sat with this engineer, and I think the intention was I was supposed to leave.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: it's just an engineer. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I think
3: I think I was supposed to leave at some point, and I just I never left. I just kind of I found a place to just sit. I found to do anything I could do. I washed floors. I washed windows. I packed CDs. I cleaned <laughs> studios. I I was tea lady for a while. Mm. I did anything and everything to kind of stay there. And yes, but, oh, that
0: is—we've been chatting about this often on the show and in real life. Like that's a lost art. Like
3: it's a lost art. The
0: I'll do anything just teach you know. Me, just show it's, me.
3: It's so important for work ethic. It's so taken for granted these days, and everyone thinks, "Oh, mopping floors are so beneath them." It's so not. It teaches you so much respect about your job and how you climb that ladder. And, you know, as a junior starting out in any industry, I don't, you know, I'm even a grown-ass adult at the moment. And I'm thinking of, you know, starting something new and having to start down at the bottom. There's nothing wrong. It is a beautiful part of the process. You have to go through it. You have to you, go you, through yeah, it. It's you it changes, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. respect it. Yes. It shapes you know? your career. It shapes who you become.
0: It's you carrying the cables. Like, now you know what goes into that. I know. That and I
3: know that there's a huge amount of respect involved mm-hmm. in this kind of, in, in any industry. And I mean, I don't only mean it in sound. I think this applies to any 100%. industry you're in. And I, I think it shapes who you become as a business owner it shapes who you become as even an employee for that matter mm. you know i don't think you can respect your job and your position and grow and do well until you have done that
2: yes
3: you know and yes the guy and i the worked for work. yeah. you know the guy i worked for was tough but thank god he was thank god he gave me a hard time mm. because i don't know if i would have done the transformation to here if that hadn't been yes. the, the start and I think any youngster should actually rather try and do that process. They should beg to make coffee and beg to clean oh. the windows. And, and again, it's a very un-South African thing to do, but we should and we should do it every time in every mm. career because it does shape who you become. And people respect you a million times mm. more. Oh, yeah. You know, when I tell the story now of how my evolution of a sound engineer, everyone's like, oh, you started at the bottom. I like you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you no know, one wants to hear you came in on CEO level. No, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I came in on like a 500,000 rand salary a month and, <laughs> you know, I have a house in Bryanston. No one wants to mm-hmm. hear that. They want to hear the struggle. They want to hear that you, you know, I did. I had a part-time job. I was working outside of interning. I mm-hmm. wasn't getting paid. I didn't get paid for a year. Mm-hmm. I, worked, I went to Bryanston every day. I lived in Benoni. I scraped money to get there every day. And I worked on weekends. I worked at night. I made the money that I had to get to get to the studios because when I got to the studios and when I got to Bryanston, and it literally was. It was the Mecca. It was like I had landed in heaven. Mm. And I just knew at that exact point this was going to be my career and I had to find a way to make it work. And you find a way. Whether you work at night, whether you work on weekends, Mm. whether you beg your parents for money, (laughs) you find a way, you know. Whether you beg, borrow, steal the money, just do it legitimately, I suppose. But,
2: well, you know,
3: whatever works. But I promise you it pays off. I promise you it pays off. There is no hard saying for that hard work pays off. It still does, and it will continue to... You know, mm. as we move forward in this ever-changing world, there's still room for hard
0: work. It, you know? it's, it's like one of the things that stay constant. like Growing up, you, you might not keep up with the technology. You might not keep up with the techniques. Well, fuck, there's no replacing hard graft. No. No, there's no substituting it.
1: I, I, I think, you know, it's like we were discussing earlier about when, when, when you do something, when you make something, there's a, there's a reward to it. Mm. There is and there's a sense of... There's a sense of place. There's a sense which, of place. Which you don't get otherwise. And well, I think that you have, to, you, have to, you have to understand the industry you're in. Yeah. And in order to do that, you need to respect it. So you need to understand every little aspect of exactly. it. Exactly. It doesn't mean you need to stick to, to doing that. No. Like Andrew was saying the other day. No. But it does mean that you need, to, you, need to get, you need to be in touch with it. Absolutely. And there's no better learning than going from the ground up.
3: But this is the thing. This is part of the whole creative process. You know, Mm. there are no cutting corners. If you are going to be great at what you do, if you are going to be the most creative you can be in your field, you have to put in the hard work. There's no way around hard work. You have to do it. It's part of being in a business owner. It's part of, I mean, I'm sure you guys know in the infancy of your business, every day you have to wake up and you've got to say, we're going to do something amazing today. And it doesn't matter how you do it, you just find a way. Mm. and
0: Even if you don't know how. Even if you don't know how.
3: But I think, I think that's the beauty, though. You see, there's
0: like, a fashion 101 book there yeah. on the
3: That's me learning. But this is the thing, though, is mm. I think this is what people forget, is often people take their job so seriously. Mm. And, and I think this is the beauty and what people forget is you can get inspiration from everywhere. Mm. Um, I I use travel as inspiration. I use it Mm. to inspire me to look at things and find that that, that absolute immense joy that I can inject back into my life. And, you know, my whole business brand is built around happiness and joy. And I mean, I think, (laughs) I don't think I'm the best sound engineer that ever walked the planet, but I absolutely love what I do. And I pour every ounce of my soul into my brand and my life and my job. And, like, guys, what you see at work is what I live at home, man. Like, this is, like, (laughs) you know, like... I live in a pink house, like I literally live in a pink house. as much to my the dismay of people that come to visit me, everything in my life is inspired by what I do, but I think that's the beauty mm. of it, I think it
0: changes your offering as well. If, yeah. it, people Completely. can see that love, they can see,
3: yeah, they can feel it they
0: can feel it you know? that's the difference of between churning something out and really. Pouring yourself into something.
3: And that was something I learned early as a sound engineer. And, and I don't know if it's only sound engineers, maybe in your field as well. But when I got in, identity was key. Mm. You yeah. know, I'm the, one of the first people I ever realized about identity is I worked with this wonderful human called Zach Haynes. And he, he used to have a studio in, at Audio Arts in Ravonia. And this American guy, he was great. He was so cool. Like He was one of the coolest human beings I ever met. And I remember going into this guy's studio and on his table, he had this massive big coffin toy. <laughs> and every time you went near it, this little skeleton I remember would those.
0: pop up. <laughs> those were the best. I remember like those. Literally,
3: I don't know if it was on a motion sensor or what it was, but literally this skeleton used to pop out of this coffin. Mm. And when I started to look around this guy's studio, he was obsessed with figurines, specifically like dead figurines, like zombies and Mm. like, you know, all these skeletons. And I remember saying to this guy, like, what's the the deal with the the skeletons? And he said, Joe, you need something. You need something that people remember you by. Mm. And I remember that now more than ever from when I was a baby baby. And I have thought about that coffin. When I think about him, I think about him at that coffin all the time. And that was the brilliance that was imparted to me when I was so young. I didn't realize it now. I realize it then. I didn't realize it. But now I do. And thank God he parted with that information because I don't think I would have established a brand. And more now, I see it. I mean, if you look in my circle, for example... Sound engineers are very specific. Mm. Yeah. They each have some kind of individual characteristic that you can go, oh, oh okay, hmm. oh, I know who that is. and I know who that is. And, and I realized early on when I'd done sort of my internship and I needed something. I needed something that people could claw onto and go, oh, that's...
0: Yeah. If you want that done, phone joke. Ah,
3: oh, that's that chick, yeah. you know, that's that person. And, and it was never a, you know, the audio was always the business, but it was about the experience. Mm. Studio was an experience. You as an ad person, as a creative person, you came to studio because you wanted to experience the whole thing. Yes. You know what I mean? There was an entire experience involved. There was couches and dim lighting and <laughs> you know <laughs> you know, hopefully, you know, you liked your work colleagues because it was a really small space, but there was there was an experience and you, you had to create you had to create something. Mm. And I also sat with a great guy who, when I first started learning, and he was over the top exuberant. He had like this larger than life personality and he had it the whole session three hours, five hours, eight hours. This guy just never lost the energy and he just pumped the entire time. Mm. And I remember thinking, I need to, I need that. I need that energy. I need something to inject. And my hair was by accident, actually. So you guys won't be able to see my hair. You guys can see my hair. (laughs) Um,
0: Anyone who knows Joe knows. Yeah, anyone who knows me knows
3: that it's a little bit weird. But the hair was the defining moment that changed my entire career. And it happened because I got divorced, actually. And I was married, and uh, I was very beige, and I was very quiet. and. uh, I didn't quite know who I was and where I was going. And I'd been sort of interning as a junior for about three, four years already. And I needed something. I needed something to kind of lock teeth on. And I got divorced and I just kind of went a bit crazy and I needed, I needed to break out of this shell. And my sister was a hairdresser and, we experimented and Ooh,
1: came up with a few.
3: Yeah, and listen, guys, it was a disaster the first time.
2: I <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> this brilliance you see in front of you was not <laughs> the way it started. <laughs> so it kind of came out. I think I initially went to her with a reference of uh, there was that uh, Kitty, I think it's Kitty Osborne, one of the yeah, yeah, Osborne kids yeah, She yeah. had that nice lilac mm. purple. Yeah, I wanted lilac purple. <laughs> but at the time, my hair was fire engine red. And I'd gone to my sister, and she said, okay, well, we can try, I don't know. And she dyed my hair, and it came out this baby pink. And I hated pink. I hated it. That is so, I was (laughs) about to say, that is, out of all the colors in the spectrum, pink was my worst. I never wore it as a kid. I never wore it as a baby. I hated it. I was a black goth child for my whole life.
0: Remind, Remind us, what's the name of your studio?
3: what sorry the, the
0: name of your studio just for my <laughs> pink noise pink
3: yes, noise and know. your Instagram handle at pinky the skeleton and people know you as pink earth interesting
2: pink. <laughs> so
3: light baby pink sheer panic in front of the hairdresser uh, mirror oh my god what the hell am I gonna do <laughs> And at the time, my sister was like, "You need to live with this girl. Like <laughs> it's, a week, it's,
0: it's, it's it's I'm stay. sorry to she do just this to <laughs> She just matrixed that bullet. Like, not, <laughs> not my problem.
3: And I was devastated, guys. I remember going home and having a sob about a good, this. A, oh, a, good a cry. cry about this. Went to work on a Monday morning, and suddenly, people I'd been working with for years. Wow. Mm. Hey, that's quite cool. And I thought, mm, okay, maybe this is a once-off. Mm-hmm okay but it started happening the next day as well and i thought okay and i can't remember who the client was but a client dubbed me pinky and that, <laughs> was, and that it. was that, that was that that was it i remember going back to my sister and going okay and that was i'm an the, all or nothing kind that of was pink. Pink. let's that was the go fish <laughs> so the style was born post the color so we did the color and it finally came out pink i was like oh
1: thank you jesus <laughs> real pink <laughs>
3: Thank you, and then um, the style was by accident as well. It was so actually this style is cut down, so my hair is up obviously now, and I've got that Wolverine kind of look. But it was cut in a layered sort of round my neck fashion, mm. and I don't know what happened, but I think I was blow drying my hair, and, and I put my head down and sort of it blow dried it, and you but, went, I like, that. and I looked up and I was like, <laughs>
2: Wow, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs>
3: And I started gelling it, and that was it. And it was like overnight I had suddenly, I had bought this new brand that I could do anything with, and I could make it into anything I wanted to do. I could grow it however I wanted to, and there seemed to be no rules to it either. Mm -hmm. People just loved it too. It was just easy, and suddenly my career went from this, I was this junior little unknown sound engineer to this, oh, we need to work with Pink Chick. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like this is amazing okay great mm. and I mean listen I, I had a lot of help along the way I mean you mm. know people did they were mm. I couldn't have done it without incredible advertising people and ECDs and creatives and copywriters and art directors I mean these people shaped my careers without them I wouldn't have been anywhere but the the brand is what I think I saw where the, the biggest potential was mm. to to land and Anyone starting any kind of entrepreneurial business, you know, this is where you start. You need the impact. You've got to find the passion. You've no. got to find the one thing that changes the way you feel about it. Because the minute you feel differently about it, every it doesn't matter what people say. Yeah. No. Everyone's going to tell you your business idea shit. It doesn't matter who you go to. But if you believe in it, a hundred million percent, it will survive. It will make it. You know, and... At the time, I was like one of the only female sound engineers mm-hmm. in the business. I was the only girl. Yeah. There was just guys, you know. And my, even my parents said to me now, they're like, we're still blown away, you made it.
2: <laughs> like, you're like, thanks, guys. Thanks,
3: guys you were so supportive. I love the faith. But at the time, there was no, no females. Mm. You know, this whole industry was dominated mm. by men the, the audio, the visual, the the post effects, everything. I mean, to a large degree, even now, I only know of girls who do sound engineering for a business. Mm. And it's a pity because women bring a whole new, different perspective perspective to audio. We're a lot softer. You know, guys Mm. are hard and analytical, and they they like big and bold and big sounds. Women are not like that, hey? And I actually noticed the difference. I mean, it came to me sort of a little bit into my career, but there's a big difference between male sound engineering and female sound engineering. Nice, nice, ours nice. is much softer. We're much more delicate. We find we find music and sound effects that talk to our emotions. Guys is a very ego-driven thing. Like you know, like I can hear Hollywood is just guys.
0: You know what I mean? Every soundtrack, every like all the Norwegian films scored by women. <laughs> yes.
3: Every trailer I've ever heard is a guy. You know, and. I mean, there's, a, there's an unbelievable art in this industry of voiceovers. Mm. I mean, guys, it's an incredible industry. Oh, and it's been
0: one of my life goals. Like, you
3: know, I wish yeah. I sound better behind a mic for anyone. You know, I'm much just, better behind I've got them.
0: the accent, so it's, it's not going to work. <laughs> you can hear I'm a bit Afrikaans and I
1: speak. <laughs> you, 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 you sound more like what you look <laughs>
0: like. <laughs> I sound like what I look like. Uh,
1: that's not good. No, it's, it's know, been it, one
0: of my life goals. I wanted to do voiceover and I, I um, auditioned once. Oh, what, didn't uh, you? if you can lose the accent oh I'm like what accent what are you talking about I well, well, this accent. is how I
3: talk there's that no sound engineer being like so can you be less of a yeah.
0: and then every time I listen to <laughs> every time I listen to this podcast, I'm like, I hear in my head, I hear, oh yes, no, I'm, I'm hearing a different voice. Yes, I'm, when I'm listen, very proper. When I know? listen to the podcast, I so tell us about when you're growing up.
3: <laughs> oh, this is why
0: I can never have a career in sound and voices. So this is doing. why
3: I could never be a voiceover as well. Every mm. time I hear my voice, I just sound like a guy. And I think, oh, no, I hate that. <laughs> so I, I totally get you, but. Mm. It's a beautiful art and I wish we were nurturing this art in this country. It is, I mean, guys, if you could understand the level of talent that is happening here behind the microphone, Mm. it is sensational.
0: And we've got, uh, like, our voice of artists have personality. They do. And they are
3: so underrated. They are Mm. so undervalued. And they are 85% of your commercial. Mm. They really, Mm, really are. I mean, for example, radio. That voiceover is.
0: Uh, a voiceover can make or break it. it. Yeah, make or break. The script can be it. fantastic, and Absolutely. if it's delivered poorly, it's over.
3: Absolutely, and I think to a large degree, voiceovers inspired me a lot in my career. I've learned so much from them. You know, I, I've i learned from them how to direct people now and how mm. to do my job better.
0: Yes, and that's an art unto itself it to is. direct a I voiceover was about artist. To say, yes.
3: It's hard work. And, they, you know, like the young creatives coming in, they need mentorship. And yeah. They need to understand that this is an art. It's not just giving a voiceover a piece of script and saying, mm-hmm. okay, you go in. Yes, there's hugely talented voiceovers that have been doing it for 30 years yeah. and they'll just go in and do your script, yeah, you one know, or two, and they'll help you out, you know, but... It's a beautiful art form. Mm. It's it's so, and it takes special people, and the, the people that are in the business are amazing, mm. and they are incredible, and they are undervalued, and they should be respected a hell of a lot more than mm. they actually are. And, you know, I fight for voiceovers in this country. I wish we were, I wish we were doing more. I wish we were doing mm. international work because we're so good, mm. and we take our art form so seriously here versus mm. overseas. I mean, I feel like we'd brought up on American voiceovers. Yeah. Yes. So that's what you condition to hear. Yeah. You exactly. know, you condition in one world, <laughs> you know, in world, in world. <laughs> you know, that, that's all we know, you know. So, um, but it's great. And, and anyone getting into the business, if you can sing, if you have tone, if you have an ear, voiceovers are a great way to get into the mm. business. It's if you get the right agent and you get the right training, mm-hmm. you can you can be great. You can there's a huge creative output in mm-hmm. voiceovers that people don't even don't
2: know, know exists.
3: Yeah. So folio artists are another one. I mean, folio artists are incredible people. I mean, those are the people that make noises for movies, mm-hmm. guys. What? Yeah. So like you know. Like those a Michael movies Winslow. You, yeah. <laughs> so here's a fun fact. Every American movie you watch, just about, every single voiceover is dubbed, overdubbed. So they shoot that movie silent, and then they get those people into the studio, and they record the movie afterwards. Same with the Foley artists. All those sound effects are made, hey? 90% of them, and then composers compose music. I mean... These people are hugely talented. I mean, mm. they, without these people, sound doesn't exist. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm on the, the end of that. <laughs> I'm the uncool part of this process.
0: <laughs> I remember one of the coolest things I saw about... The, the, the thing that got me interested in, in sound engineering and, and all of that was they showed um, the behind the scenes of Lord of the Rings yeah. and how they made those sounds, like how they got the roar of the Balrog... Was a cement block that they dragged across the floor, Something and they about. just slowed it down. And like in um, Inception, the, that the booming sound here—that's yeah. Edith Piaf—just slowed down. and It's like it blows you. How does your brain even go there? It's like so I amazing. need a roar for a dragon. Drag a cement block.
3: It's so amazing. Like, and oh. movie engineering really fascinates me. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done a lot. Of, I've done a bit of it. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to be involved in it. It's tough. It's really different. And. Movie engineering is a lot of people involved. So you've got like five people all doing a task. You know, Mm. it's not like one person. Um, But it's an incredible part of the process to be involved in because you can. You can make sound mm. out of anything these mm. days. And yeah. I admire people who do it. I mean, I don't know how they come up with all of
2: these oh. things.
0: The sound of the velociraptors in Jurassic Park is turtles yeah. having sex.
2: <laughs> 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 that's fucking amazing. Uh,
0: <laughs> how do you listen to turtles fucking and go, that's my velociraptor?
1: I <laughs> so Or I'm Steven
0: Spielberg, do I've do got idea. <laughs>
2: I've got the sound. You need to hear really it. what. Right. Yeah, and I mean, it's just what,
3: what, what a cool job. I mean, imagine like that's your job. Like, I've always wondered what it must be like to go on a, like a Tinder date with a Foley artist.
2: You know what I mean? Like, have you ever
3: considered how weird that date would be? Like?
0: I think they
3: make sound effects the whole night. You know, the guy puts like ice on the table and it's like Police Academy. Yeah.
0: You know. It's like Michael Winslow, or who, who's the guy who did um, uh, Don't Worry, Be Happy? Yes, Bobby McFerrin. Bobby McFerrin. <laughs> <The other guys laughs> Going like on editing. a date with him, you're amazing. <laughs>
3: I you know, if I think about it now, a police academy was like mm. one of those brilliant movies <gasps> where they made sound effects. Remember that? Yes,
0: oh it was. What great. a
3: great like and I mean like that that's now that I think about it, probably that was one of the first exposures to sound design I ever had, was like Police Academy. <laughs> that guy was great, wasn't he? He was I mean, fantastic. like, imagine the talent that you've got to... I mean, how do you figure that out? You yeah. must drive your parents <laughs> crazy, <laughs> you know, making noises, but... You learned yeah. how to make the sound of a siren. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm going to make a siren today. But yeah, huh. so... Yeah, so it's, it's a wonderful industry. It's very diverse. There's mm. so many different ways you can get into it and mm. so many different ways you can excel. And people don't realize, they think that sound engineering is the producer who sits in a music studio with American artists. Yes, mm-hmm. they are. Those are one, well, one well, of the people. Yeah. But a producer never t- touches a soundboard. Mm. A producer, they produce the sound. They literally listen and they go, drums are like... This, yeah. and I think you should add a reverb to those drums, or I think you should add some backup singers or extra bass here. They was, shape the sound.
0: Yeah. Slipknot, um, when they recorded Iowa, um, mm-hmm. I read a, a, an interview with Corey Taylor recently, where he said um, who's that? It's Rick Rubin is the, the massive producer. Yes. So it was the worst experience of his life, because Rick Rubin would come in, lie on a couch, listen to the song and go, more guitars, get up yes. and leave. And that was yes. it. <laughs> Let's <laughs> spend like 13 <laughs> hours in the studio to get this one song. And Rick Rubin go, yeah, I know, more guitars, cool. Thanks, yeah. cheers, see to you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: I actually had a laugh because I watched the new Queen movie mm. and mm. there's reference in the Queen movie where they were – on just the backup singers for Bohemian Rhapsody, yes. they recorded 132 takes of the backup yeah. singers. Higher, higher,
0: higher, higher,
3: higher, higher. And I can totally relate. I've got I've done 132 takes on a radio ad before, so I can relate. But it's it's so cool though. Like, and you know, this is the thing about this industry is people don't even know sound exists. Yeah, I didn't know sound existed. The only way I knew is that I went to a life coach, and she had a brother who was in the industry. If I had never taken that route, I don't think I would have Mm-mm. found it. I honestly don't.
0: Is it still t- today kind of like, I don't want to say underground, but kind of an unknown industry?
3: It is a lot. It's still underground, but it's because unfortunately it's not growing as fast as it should. And our industry is very dependent on advertising. It is Fed by and advertising. the advertising industry is shrinking. Exactly. Yeah. Unfortunately, and it's it breaks my heart because it shouldn't. It should be growing. It should yes. be this exploding business of just talent and you know so much room for growth. But we are very dependent on advertising. It's our core business, and you know without it, yes, there's lots of applications. There's gaming. There's lots of digital Mm -hmm. content, but it's not as – I don't want to say the word lucrative because I hate the word lucrative. It's more at the creative process. Online is quick. We were discussing this earlier about the, the instant gratification generation, you know. I've gone from starting a career on 90-second ads, 60-second ads, 30-second, 45-second ads. Three, five. Yeah, Yeah. I'm doing three, five-second pieces now. Ten seconds, maybe at the most, you know, Mm -hmm. and you're like, woohoo, ten
2: seconds.
3: (laughs) But I'm fitting 30 seconds into Uh, 10-second ads now, you know, and I'm secretly kind of hoping Mm -hmm. that for the advertising that's maybe slowing down, maybe there's a great increase in content. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we have incredible programmers and You know, IT developers in this country, there's nothing stopping us from making games and, you know, like app development. I mean, I saw a thing the other day, like some app developer's second highest selling game in the world is a game for cats. I had an <laughs> game. And you go, really? And I go, really? But listen, some sound engineer put his name on that yeah. and he has a cat sound for when the cat goes wing, 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 wing. You know, and then it's like, Oh
1: my god, that's my sound. You dragged his concrete. <laughs> yeah.
3: I think there's room for growth. We just need 100%. to figure it out.
0: Because we, because,
1: because we can't get sponsors.
0: Because we're South African. Thanks, um, Anchor FM. <laughs> um,
1: we, we, we have our own sort of sponsorship. Yep. Basically, we, we, uh, we want to shout out to the friends of Murmur, mm-hmm. uh, uh, people that we believe are, are driving and pushing and doing amazing things out there and that are just amazing human beings. Yeah. Um, so, SJ, who's our shout out today?
0: Our shout out today and our friend of Murmur of the episode is a gentleman called Andrew McKay. McKay. And he runs a studio, an agency called Andrew Hector. They do interior design and Andrew's got a very, very cool, very exciting, very interesting project coming up in the next few months. We think May. We think May. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you, want, if you want to beautify up your house and, or your office and live in an amazing space, give Andrew a shout.
1: Mm-hmm. Hi, Andrew.
0: Hi, Andrew. Okay, back to the show. So knowing what you know now about all of this that, you, that, you, that you've learned and gone through, if you could tell young Joe, oh, young Joe. <laughs> one piece of advice.
3: Stay in England. No, no, no. <laughs> 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 no, that's terrible advice. Young Joe, what would I tell young Joe? I would tell young Joe that don't worry, it, it'll get easier because I think when, when you start out, everything's so hard. Everything's so hard when you start out and, and you just want to give up at every turn. And I think perseverance is the key and it does pay off. I yeah. don't earn millions of rands a month, but I have a fulfilled life. Mm. I, I love my job. I love my brand. I love who I've become as a human. And that is the best key. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, it's the whole purpose of why you do this. And I think... I would, definitely, I would definitely say it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Because I think the older you get as well, the more the anxiety grows. You know, at least you're 21, you're <laughs> bulletproof. You know, yeah. you're like, yeah! But, um, and knowing what I know now, I'd probably just say, you know, stick it out, it'll get better. And you'll love it. And mm-hmm. enjoy your life. Enjoy it. Enjoy the process. That's the yeah. other thing.
0: And if you don't love it, you're not in the right field. If
3: you don't love it, don't do it. Yeah. If it doesn't make your heart beat faster every second, don't do it. Because no one can make you love something that you hate. Mm. And, you know, the, the key to success as well is that the more you love it, success will come. Yes. Yeah. Everyone said to me, the minute you love your job, money will come. And I was like, yeah, it does.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, I believe um, money follows good work. Oh, totally. And you can't can't do
3: good work unless you love it. You can't. And, I mean, this is the thing. And, and, you know, you don't even need to get in. You could wake up and decide at 30 you want to be a chef. Yes. If that's what makes your heart tick and that's what inspires you to get out of bed, then go be a chef.
2: Mm.
3: Go do whatever you need to do, you know. like, And I think I got into an impossible industry. I got into an industry Mm. where everyone said you're never going to get a job. You're never going to do well. Pick something else. I was told, I remember being told by lecturers, the biggest the, or the, the most common job of a sound engineer is becoming a waiter. I remember <laughs> yo, that yo. back in the how day. How to inspire. Yo. How to inspire. I remember that conversation. But this is the thing. is I think if you are passionate about something and you, no matter how crazy it
1: is, go. Do it. So, um... <laughs> we call them what do we call them tin, tin
0: gods tin gods my, okay my you guys
1: uncle.
3: are not allowed to judge me okay no wait but let's who my next person okay I'm gonna get killed for this but I'm gonna go for it
0: <laughs> get in there <laughs>
3: Guys, the Cartrashians. <laughs> you,
2: me, you have to admire
3: these chicks. <laughs> okay, no one judged me on that statement. But, it's okay, a, I know a, they're the Cartrashians. Genius.
0: Joe, it was lovely having you on the podcast. Have a wonderful day for
3: <laughs> Thanks for coming. You can leave now. Dark, the door won't hit you on the way out. No, I just, you know, I think... I think mentors are someone you need to look at and you need to understand. It doesn't necessarily have to be the way they've done things, but I mean, I just look at them and I I know they're the Kardashians and they're hideous and they're gross and everything, but they are so intelligent. They
0: have built an empire. They have
3: built an empire. Nothing. Nothing. Okay. A sex tape. Yeah, fair fair enough. If if, if I had the body for a sex tape, I would have done it, but I don't. So moving on. (laughs) Moving on, (laughs) you know. So um, I just I admire that they they continuously turn nothing into into something. something, and I think if you look at them from that perspective, that's a quality to be admired. I mean. It, I read old Kris Jenner's book, her biography, and I mean, there's a lot of fluff. You got to look through the fluff, but she's an incredible entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and she's she's had money and she's married the right people. But she's used it. She took that those kind of They're resources and she smart. turned it into something. Guys, every single Kardashian, including the animals in that family, make money. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like seriously. And not a small amount. Yes. Like they have endorsement deals coming out of their face. Mm. And I think if you think about as a mentor, I think that's a great platform. I don't want to be a Kardashian. like don't get me wrong. I'd love to live in LA and it must be cool. Yeah. But I'd love to make something out of nothing. If you strip away all the shit, their business model is brilliant.
0: So, um, how do people get in touch with you?
3: Okay, so you uh, I currently have a Facebook page which is just Pink Earthling, and my Instagram is that pinky that skeleton. Uh, I don't have a website at the moment, but um, you know I'm on email, and all my details are online. So, yeah, like Facebook me, Instagram me. You know, and we can chat. We can be besties. <laughs> besties. Like <laughs> I don't like stalkers so much. So hashtag stalkers stay away. But like, that if you want to be match. my bestie, that's fine. Good to
0: go. Professional stalking is fine. <laughs>
3: Professional stalking is fine. And um, I'm based in, in Bryanston, that produce sound at the moment.
0: Yep. Joe, thank you very much jo, for joining thank us. Thank you very,
3: very much. Thank you, guys, and I wish you the best for your Murmur. <laughs> I'm so excited to see what Murmur comes up with. Oh, so
2: we. <laughs> Hashtag excited. I
3: feel like you need like a plush toy, like a Murmur plush toy or something. Oh, We've a-
1: already got a, well, we had an idea for a toy.
0: Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Okay,
1: we I feel haven't, like you guys
3: need haven't a gone toy. there toy. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. Okay, you need a murmur toy. Yeah. Like, if anyone from a toy company is listening, these two need to We need heart. a murmur toy. Gin
0: distilleries and toy companies. <laughs>
3: <laughs> thank Get you, guys. Up. And I, listen, And I'm really I'm like behind you guys for what you try to do. And your business is fantastic. And keep behind it and keep giving it everything every day because it will pay off. It will thank pay you. off.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Thanks.
3: Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Cool. Thank you. Oh, so Shelley.
1: what stood out for you? What did you learn? What did you glean? What did you get?
0: What did I squeeze? Uh, for me, and it, it, it might, I'm, I'm almost sure I've mentioned it before, um, and I'm almost sure I mention it every episode because I'm a bit of a fucking fuddy-duddy, <laughs> to um, say the least. But for me, um, that, that thing about the hunger, that, mm. that what Joe at one stage said, um, people think mopping the floors is beneath you. Like uh, to me, that's how I learned. That's Mm. how I like to teach. Um, And it's actually surprising how many people um, come into the industry and think this is beneath me, or Mm. this is not what I studied for. You know what? Like when I came in, we made. Mm. It's a stupid example, but you made the coffee. Like Mm. someone wanted a coffee, someone wanted a glass of water. You went and fetched the fucking glass of water. You went and fetched the fucking coffee. Mm. If something needed to cut be cut out, uh, cut out or pasted or a a fucking envelope needed to be mocked up you did that and you didn't ask questions you did it because Mm. that's how you learn. because next time I need to do it I know how to do it and it it, like we said it teaches you a humility it teaches Mm. you um you know to to appreciate the job a hell of a lot more I
1: also I also think you get such an all-rounded view of the business that it, it It's actually where I think a lot of the entrepreneurial thoughts start. Yes. Because you, by by gaining that sort of um, bird's eye view of everything and everyone that's in it, those, they're they're funny little things that you end up changing. Like you might end up changing the way you serve coffee. Exactly. In your business, purely because you've been, you've been a part of that space.
0: Yeah.
1: Which you wouldn't do otherwise, you wouldn't know.
0: I mean, you've mm-hmm. told the story before, and, and I'm, again, I'm sure I've told the story. We actually need to listen so that we don't repeat shit. <laughs> <laughs> but we both told the story of where when you started, you took on every single no. job, and when I started, um, uh, where I started, we we didn't work on the big brands as juniors, but you worked on it at night. Mm-hmm. Every night, I went home, and I worked on the things that were in the studio, and I I looked at different ideas and. Ninety-nine percent of it wasn't chosen or wasn't used in my first year, but doesn't matter. You learn to think, you learn to do, and you learn to graft. Mm. And I think that's it's an important skill that people underestimate the value of. Like yeah. Joe was saying, um, th- the fact that she started at the bottom makes people now appreciate her more because now, she said, no one wants to know you, you came in on CEO level.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: And it's it's that willingness to to cuck off and. You know, to work from a ground level up that people really appreciate and that makes you a better employee and a better employer, I think. Mm. So, what stood out for you?
1: What stood out for me? Um, I think it was Joe's hair. No. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 it, well it, link, it links to it. I think, yeah. um, you know, uh, and I don't, I don't know whether she, whether she even stressed it enough, but Joe. Is is a rare commodity in an industry that is incredibly male dom- dominated, um, as well as it's it's quite an obscure industry. People don't know too much about it. And her passion that drove her through to get to where she where where, where she's reached. Um, uh, what she said, what 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 sparked that sort of was 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 the need for an identity. Mm. And as soon as suddenly people could point to the person that did it, I want that chick with the pink hair, Um, it gave her 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 sonic, it gave her her audio sonic file, Um, and... She's then used that. She's then used that to drive and leveraged it completely to drive her business. And like she said, she's, I mean, she lives it. Her house is Yeah,
0: The studio. (laughs) uh, um, The uh, color
1: she initially hated (laughs) is now driving, 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 driving her business.
0: But I was actually having a conversation with my barber earlier. You can't see, but I've got like the fucking slickest haircut right now. (laughs) And, but I was having a conversation with the barber and he told me this story about, um, uh, a very famous barber got given a gold comb, gold plated comb. Mm. And eventually like he hated this gold comb. It wasn't practical and he gave it away. And the moment he gave it away, people started coming back and going, where's the gold comb? Like we, we we really like the gold comb. And he went and got another one. And literally all he does is during consultation, he combs your hair with a gold comb. And the moment he starts cutting, he puts it away. But people go there because it's the gold comb guy. And it's, it's that thing, that hook, that, that, Little spark that brings people back to you, and mm-hmm. it, could, it could be the work that you deliver.
1: Well, I think I, I, I think people won't come back if the work is poor. Yeah, I think, but it's 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 your differentiator. It's something that that's it, the sort of like visual cue. And I go, oh, mm. you know the, the guy the guy with the gold comb. Yeah, he you know he cuts really really well. Yeah, and then it becomes a thing. Yeah, you know? and that's that's what stood out for me. That and um. And it's it's something that we we address sort of like I think almost every episode as well. Um, (laughs) Starting to see some patterns forming. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: But give me a yeah, just give me a second. Sorry. There we go. And the other thing is is. to, that you can find inspiration in nearly everything, mm. um, and I think that's—it's it, it, just an incredible thing. It, like you were saying, from cleaning the floor, and in Joe's case, she says her inspiration comes from travel. Yeah, and I think it's so important to have external inputs, mm. so that what you deliver is enriched. Yes. You know, yeah. Or enriched through it.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's. Broadening your mind in in a sense so that you don't sit in the same cycle in your in your head the whole time it 's just that one thing or mm. many things that just make you stop thinking about what you 're fucking fretting about all the time mm. and actually make you let go mm. yeah and that's it well, I think the very important thing um also that I took out of it that I unfortunately had to cut from the episode is how very open and willing we are to having. A gin distillery. Sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, upcoming episode,
1: Very, very open. And
0: we will punch your your gin and we will drink it with pride. And we're, we're very happy to do this. And it's just something that I feel we need to punt. Like we need to. A shout out. A shout out and harp on. So if you are a gin distillery, do give us a shout out. Um, podcast at murmuroriginals.com. And we would be more than willing to give you a shout out.
1: Mm, awesome. Awesome. Cheers. No.
0: no, no yeah. <laughs> um, Shelly, how do people reach us if they have any questions or if they want to get on the show? This is my favorite bit of recording here too because Shelly fucks it up every time.
1: Um, how do people reach us? Yes. Our Insta handle yes. is Murmur Originals. Great. And um, our Facebook is Murmur.
0: Yes. Go for and three for three. What's our in, uh, email address?
1: Our email address is originalscom
0: <laughs> So close. So close. We were almost <laughs> it was
1: podcast at murmuroriginals.com. Podcast com. at murmuroriginals.com. Got it, com. got it. <laughs> Late, but there.
0: Mm. Cool. So awesome. give us, if, if you have any questions, any feedback, give us a shout, send, um, drop us a message mm. and please subscribe and follow on whichever platform you listen to and tune in to the next one. Thank you. Thanks a lot.